Hopefully everybody is enjoying this lovely Future of Freight event. Uh, live from Chattanooga, I'm Zach Strickland, Director of Freight Market Intelligence. This is Anthony Smith, Lead Economist. Zach, and so we need many things, but <laughs> this is Freightonomics, and this is the F3 version. Yep. I'm sorry we missed you on the last one, but you're here now, and I promise I didn't say anything too defamatory or damaging anything like that, but... You know, just taking care of the family. I don't, you know, it's fine. <laughs> F3, what are you talking about? <laughs> but thank you all so much for tuning in. We usually do this on Thursdays. I'm sorry. Thursdays yeah, Thursdays at noon. At noon. Yep. Yeah. All the days are kind of mixing together. It's just been one huge virtual experience, and we're excited to have you here. We have a couple of special guests here. Um, we don't have too much time, so we got to jump straight into, into it. it. Zach, can you introduce our first guest? Yeah, so we have Amit Marocha, uh, Managing Director of Air Freight and Surface Transportation and Shipping at Deutsche Bank. So excited to have Amit on today. Uh, thanks for coming out today, Amit. Pleasure. Great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, normally, you get to talk to Andrew on a great quarter, guys, but, you know, we got an o- we got open spots on Freightonomics, too. So uh, anytime you want to come on and chat with us uh, about the financial markets, I'm, of course, very excited, too. Anthony, maybe he want to he'll want to talk feelings or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the uh, you know we've had a pretty interesting twelve months in transportation. I mean, and I kind of want to get your perspective on you know some of the things that we've seen, such as you know obviously tighter capacity, increasing uh, freight rates, et cetera. Uh, but we've seen some other developing trends kind of forming. You know, we saw uh, gains on sale really blow up for a lot of these transportation providers. What are some of the other things that you're looking at uh, moving forward in terms of developing trends? Well, um, we're in a really interesting time right now as it relates to investing in transportation companies. I think um, before I go there, let me just talk about the fundamentals. Today, U.S. household net worth has never been higher. Uh, the leverage non-mortgage debt as a percentage of total net worth is the lowest levels it's been since the 1960s. Um, so the underlying, the industrial economy is recovering. So we've been very consistent here at Deutsche Bank about the powerful levers that is fueling freight demand. And we don't see that ending at all. Now, uh, you have to step back a little bit and, and, and appreciate the fact that monetary policy has been incredibly um, uh, easy. Um, fiscal stimulus has been incredibly generous. Um, and, and, and both those factors are have fueled this um, this improvement in household net worth and, and, and leverage levels. Um, and so that, in, in our opinion, is going to start to wane a little bit. And so um, while demand and fundamentals continue to be good, at least as you think about investing in the public equity market, valuation and, 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 and the tailwinds that we've had from uh, monetary and fiscal policy are, are going to be much more important as you think about what capitalization rates you put on these earnings and cash flow numbers. So I think this is the biggest important trend uh, that not enough people are paying attention to as you look out toward the end of 21 and into really 22. So uh, here at Deutsche Bank, I mean, this is what I spend 90% of my time right now thinking about is that, you know, I feel convicted that the demand environment is good, but what is the capitalization rate that's going to be applied to some of these earnings and free cash flow numbers as some of the fiscal and monetary tailwinds are entering the seventh inning stretch or maybe even ninth inning. 
So, I mean, you, you mentioned really, and all, I agree with all your points here, looking at the underlying trends and of course, coming back to the consumer, their conditions, are they, you know, are they stable? We're seeing a lot of positivity there, but what are some of the headwinds that could potentially derail or start to really wane on? I know I'm hearing a lot on, of course, inflation. That's always a talking point, but we are still seeing consumers in a really good position when it comes to at least providing for themselves. You know, you're looking at the employment market, lots of job openings, lots of opportunities. So, of course, the quit rate is still high. Another sign of consumers being confident. And so when you're looking at, you know, the end of this year going into 2022, of course, what are some of the, the, the headwinds potentially that you're seeing that, all right, this could really start to weigh on some of that consumer base? Well, well, sure. I mean, I think, I think it's undeniable that there's been great, a great wealth effect that's been created by rising, rising home values and, and rising incomes more generally, specifically rising home values. And I think that to the extent that monetary policy starts to get a little bit tighter, uh, that wealth effect dissipates and it's going to be harder to grow off that base. And so I think that's one headwind, but more tangibly as it relates to over-the-road transportation, clearly, um, you know, we're in this golden age, as I've talked about before, as it relates to imbalances between supply and demand. Demand's been very strong. Supply has been very, very tight. I think supply has been maybe artificially exacerbated in terms of being tight because two key things. One is, is that obviously you've had uh, limited truck production due to the semiconductor shortages. And you've had, um, you know, the labor participation rate being very, very low, which has obviously impacted driver availability. So I think as you as you look out over the next 12 to 18 months, my best guess would be, or our best guess would be, that you start to see, um, you know, more capacity entering the system, whether that's through equipment like chassis or containers, but more critically tractors, and 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 really, um, you know, potentially more drivers entering the market. Obviously, the clearinghouse is, is, a, is a separate issue. We think as labor participation rates move, maybe increase over, over the next 12 months, you might get a little bit easier driver pool or driver availability, albeit from very, very difficult levels. So I would say the more of the headwinds are on the supply side. On the demand side, a rising interest rate environment could have an impact on the wealth effect and how flush consumers feel. So, I mean, how, you know, we, we've been in this scenario sort of before, like 20, 2017, 18, we sort of had this big... Uh, influx of demand and supply and the you know the capacity side really reacted quickly. What makes this market so different from that one? Oh, it's it's night and day in terms of you know there was over the course of 2020 you had uh, three separate times when the government was giving checks out to 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 the majority of U.S. US households. Um, that's a huge stimulative effect, and the velocity of that money is significant when you put it directly in the hands of consumers. Um, beyond that, as I've talked about before, um, you know, the, 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 both the consumer economy and the industrial economy are moving in the same direction. So demand on the demand side of the equation, you have the two critical pillars of demand, industrial and consumer, growing at the same time. That, that didn't happen back in 2018. And then beyond that, you know, I think, I think when you look at housing prices, which are just such a critical element of U.S. household net worth, I mean, just look at U.S. household net worth today relative to what it was in 2018, it's up above 30% cumulatively for the U.S. households. So I think that's also a very important factor. And the last thing I'll, I'll say is, is that, you know, it didn't take very long for new truck orders to eclipse 50,000 um, units per month 
uh, last cycle when you had the ELD mandate and truck rates started going up again. Well, this time around, I think the last print was in the low to mid 20,000 per month in new truck orders. So I think that there's a lot of differences on the demand and supply side that is exacerbating um, where we are today and will make it longer. And let's be clear, um, supply chains may get a little bit better uh, in terms of fluidity over the next three, four, five months as you get a seasonal lull in demand. Um, but it will take years. It will take years for supply chains to fully figure out what they need to do um, to, 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 to not have this, this, this pandemic-driven issue again. And I'll just give you an example. You know, the biggest importer in the world, is, uh, sorry, in the country is Walmart. They import about 900,000 boxes every year here in the U.S. 80% of their supply chain is in China. That is not going to be the case five years from now. And so whether it's nearshoring or more fragmented supply chains, um, we also think that companies and shippers will have to hold more inventory as just a cost of, of doing business and redundancy. Uh, we think the inventory, um, you know, inventory were running just way too lean as a result of just in time and things like that. So I think there's a lot of long tail implications as a result of COVID that we haven't seen that are positive for freight transportation companies. But uh, comparing, you know, uh, this environment that we're in today in terms of 2017 is literally night and day in our view, just given some of those demand and supply dynamics. I mean, I have at least five more questions <laughs> that I want to ask. So we are going to need to have you on again soon on our, our full-length Freightonomics show. But thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, guys. Have a good conference. Appreciate it. Yeah, Back. that was... I mean, I could Dropping have gone. Gyms. I mean, great stuff. Uh, I, I think we've all been talking about like, oh, this has happened before. And yeah. obviously it's very different than it was. But to hear some of those things pointed out is obviously extremely useful because history repeats itself, but not as in the exact same thing. It usually just rhymes, right? Yeah. It usually <laughs> yeah, right, just rhymes. Right, right. So we have our next guest who mm -hmm. I'm excited to talk to is Brent Hudo, Chief Relationship Officer over at Drugstop.com. Brent, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh man, it's uh, it's great to be here, guys. I, I just one quick question. So, Amit has a certain haircut like me. <laughs> Anthony has a certain haircut like me. One of us is not the same. Which one is it? <laughs> and you know what? I feel like those three individuals always make the best points and always are <laughs> a step ahead. And it just seems like there's this lagging factor. I can't place my finger on it. I'm but like, I have a Zach. You have any? Sounds like feelings to me. So I, I, you, know. you know, there's definitely there's definitely something there. You know, no, just thanks for having us on, man. We agree at truckstop.com. We agree with everything that Amit and uh, Deutsche Bank say about the marketplace. Uh, we agree that it's 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 similar but very dissimilar to 2017, 18, mostly because it's been so prolonged. And then just the, the amount of disposable uh, extra income because we're all with the new normal working from home. Boy, it uh, and it doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. His predictions are and estimations are along the same size as, as truckstop.com. And, and of course, we see the front end of that data every single day on our system. So, but um, yeah, it's, it's been a very interesting time. Yeah, yeah. I guess you do see the front end. You feel it uh, quite oh, a bit yeah. too. Yeah. So let's let's go in a little bit different direction here. So, okay. I mean, technology has become more oh, yeah. and more of an investment topic. And Amit even mentioned this. Uh, especially around supply chains and transportation. Right. How, you know, what are you seeing uh, in the space that's, you know, exciting and you think that may make some dramatic changes in our industry? Oh, my goodness. Uh, incredible things. It's kind of like when uh, you finally, when you're ever talking to your children, if you've got any that 
And once, when their hearts are teachable and their hearts are open, you can, the transformational change can happen. Well, that's happening inside of all of uh, freight transportation. And what's been most unique, Zach, is that we see it on the shipper end, where used to be they really just pushed hard down on their suppliers, whether it be a carrier or a broker. But now they're very, very interested in technology for their companies. And because they want to control where their, their, their destinations and their outcomes, they're, they're talking about bigger things, not just like simple visibility items, but control towers and all the things that go into helping them run freights. And, and that's really driven, Zach and Anthony, by the fact that in the last three years alone, we have had capacity crunches. And that's just uncommon. So it, it drives you, if you if you, you guys, are, this is Freightonomics, and you guys look at the data just like we do, it drives people to think, maybe there's a new normal, and I've got to start thinking differently. But technology adoption and innovation, you know, I heard it from all of the people that were on earlier today that you guys were interviewing from Schneider to ArcFest to um, to uh, J.B. Hunt talking about innovation, uh, uh, collaboration, and transparency, and all that comes back to how technology can can uh, promote that in the marketplace. So it's everywhere, pal. So, Brent, can you, can you dive in on that, that technology piece of it? Because it seems like, of course, lots more data entering the market, lots more mm -hmm. technology, and it's all great, all innovative. And sometimes not all tech is the same, and it's is finding that best system or that best technology that really fits in and works for you. When you're looking at traditional aspects of the market, I mean, even looking at the broker model, do you think things like this are just completely out the window or is it going to be, you know, shifted completely? Or is it something that, you know, is going to be, like we were talking about earlier, kind of a, a rhyming scenario? Well, that, yeah, that's a great question, Anthony. What, what I would say is that we, um, what you run into is you run into... Uh, things like uh, automation that are happening in the marketplace. And that's kind of a scary word for a lot in the, in the broker industry because what's that going to automate? What's going to automate? Are we talking about businesses going out of business? And, and we would say, no. What we, what we would say is that you've got to upgrade your network to find out how you can create velocity and volume of transactions through your brokerage to create a, a new business for yourself because everything moves forward. And so automation is going to create that. And those, so, the, so is the broker model going to change? We feel like it will from the standpoint of the adoption, the layer of technology uh, in order to communicate to the end customer among the needs that they need for you to be able to grow your business. So we, we see the same thing as far as like, what is technology driving? What's well, driving uh, new opportunities for new, new uh, businesses to, to come into the market, but also established businesses to, to, to grow theirs. And that's one reason why truckstop.com is so dedicated to providing this type of automated technology for every player in the market. And, and one, one reason why we built our automated platform. Yeah, so Brent, I mean, that's a good yeah. point. The, uh, you know, one thing that, you know, you guys there at truckstop.com obviously are yeah. deeply involved in the, uh, in the spot market. I want to know kind of like what you see coming forward. I mean, we're really, the spot market has become a different place. We've seen people renegotiate. Yeah. You were just talking about shippers now. They're way more interested mm -hmm. than they used to be. Are we going to see some fundamental changes in the way the spot market behaves, uh, you know, moving forward? Well, I think you will. I mean, just just a month for ourselves, for um, the way in which we measure our own data because of the pressure in the marketplace and this is the extension, the, the time length of this marketplace. We've actually remeasuring our own market demand index and remeasuring our own what's the rate values in the marketplace. So just among ourselves, uh, we see uh, tremendous changes as far as how how those uh, things will be measured in, in, inside the market. Right? 
Brent, when you're looking at technology, one of the things I'm always kind of looking at, of course, I mentioned a little bit earlier, was at least making sure that they work together and that it's actually yeah. meaningful. Mm-hmm. What's one of the biggest tips that you can kind of give to someone or, you know, someone in our industry looking to integrate more technology? Can you be too tech forward? Can you invest a little too much or, or is it just like it's never enough or you can't overdo it? Well, you know, it's like it's like my iPhone. You know, I, I use about 10% of what it can do. So uh, I think our advice to every one of our our, our clients, our, we do business with about 10,000 brokers, is buy the technology that fits for you. Not Don't overbuy what you're doing it because the hardest part of technology, Anthony, is actually getting it um, built into your system and then educating your own users on using it. That's the hardest part of it. It's not buying the technology is the easiest part. And usually what you find is that you find brokerages in 3PLs that they overbuy for what they need. And then they end up not being able to implement it fast enough to be able to make it have an effect on their business. So our advice is, is to look at how that, that technology works inside of your business and then how then look outward. Because the, the future, and, and to Zach's question, the previous question is, it's going to be about how your network is connected to the other networks in the marketplace because the network effect that creates speed will be the difference between your business growing and not growing if you're a brokerage. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that last point there about speed. I yeah. think that's the big thing oh, that's changing. Uh, you know, where, where everybody's everything. becoming a little bit more adaptive, more reactive to the information that they have presented. They're not just sitting back and waiting uh, on things to happen to them anymore. So what, uh, you know, what are some of the things like, do you have any specific like uh, things that you're starting to see develop in, uh, you know, the, the relationship between a broker and a shipper, uh, a broker and carrier uh, involving technology here in the last bit? Yeah, well, great, great point. Great question, Zach. So, so what we see between the shipper and the and the, the broker is that we see that the shipper is demanding more visibility, more communication, more um, technical control of over their data that goes to their, their provider being the 3PL and brokerage. So you're seeing a tremendous amount. We're also seeing a lot of hands-free, no-touch types of things like, in order, I want to issue my freight to you and I want as a broker, and I want you as the broker for, for, from me as your customer, the shipper, to be able to give me an answer on whether or not you can move that freight without ever talking to me. So I, I can speed up my own process. On the other side of that, we look at the negotiation when, when from broker to carrier. And granted, these are very small carriers. So these are typically owner-operators. And what we find is that for the most part, carriers, uh, the, the owner-operator market, doesn't really like to negotiate. They love an automated platform. Our own research at truckstop.com says that 80% of these guys hate the negotiation process. So they actually really enjoy the idea of seeing the rate out there on the, on the board saying, I can I can move it to that rate. I'll take it right now. So they don't have to negotiate. So, so then the other part of that is just transparency of data and information between all three of those parties. The more transparent they are, the more trust is built, the more repeat loads that are moved by, by the carrier to the broker, and then more repeat business from the broker to the to the shipper. So to us, transparency is huge. That's what our company was founded on in 1995. And we continue to push that really, really hard in the market. Right. Absolutely amazing. And another person, we have to have you back on again for Pretty Oh, man. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank, thank you, you so all much for tuning in. We'll see you again on Thursdays at 12. But we have Alan Adler with the Fireside Chat. So don't go anywhere. He's always talking about something really cool. I'm only a little <laughs> bit jealous that he gets to really cover it. But we'll see you soon.